Hello, boys and girls. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. We're we're grinding away. The dog days are summer. We're in the middle of them, but we're on the tail end. Thank gosh, because it's hotter than hell, and we need some rain for people to make fun of me all the time. All right, we got a new sponsor, Dirty Duck Coffee. Yep, if if, if your coffee sucks, it ain't the duck. It ain't the duck. Uh, Dirty Duck Coffee, you can get them. They're all online right now, aren't they? Yes, at, at DirtyDuckCoffee.com. Get the duck. The Dirty Duck Coffee Company guaranteed to make you call better and shoot straighter. The Dirty Duck Coffee Company. Shoot them in the face. Shoot them in the face. Where have I heard that before? That's exactly right. Go check them out, DirtyDuckCoffee.com, and you can uh, get it shipped right to your door uh, for all you coffee enthusiasts. I know I I do like my coffee. Anyway, go check them out, DirtyDuckCoffee.com. We'd like to welcome our brand new sponsor, Gun Dog Outdoors. Mr. It's, Alex Langbell. Yep. Gu- safety gear for your gun dog. And they've got a discount code. If you go to their website, on their discount code, all you need to do is put down Big Honker. B-I-G-H-O-N-K-E-R. No spaces. For a 15% discount. And Looky that, there. And there you go. Take that, care of your pooch. I know that they got a little quick release system. I'm ready to tr- get uh, Lou hooked up on. They've got a, they got nail grinders. they got water bowls. they got dishes. they got everything. That's gundogoutdoor.com. And the promo code is Big, Big Honker. Big Honker for 15% off. All one word. We're excited to have those guys. Take care of, uh, you know, Fido saves you a lot of steps during hunting season. So take care of him. He's a worthy investment. Yes, sir. We're also brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. We, Home of the Big Honker Podcast. That's it. We do it out here every every time is out here now. Uh, dove season's coming up. We've still got a couple openings there. Waterfowl season's just around the corner. Still taking bookings. You want to shoot some ducks? I've got some early, the first two weekends in November, we can do some duck hunts, lodging meals packages. Holler at me at 940-658-3172. It's going to be here before we know it. This show is also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the leader in silhouette manufacturing. They're also now in the floater game. They're your one-stop shop. Crane so- socks coming out, Crane too. Crane socks are coming out. They're just innovators. Innovators. You go to divebombindustries.com and load up because silhouettes and socks are the way of the future, boys and girls. I know you got that asshole that says silhou- silhouettes and socks have been around forever, but they're affordable now. Boats have been around forever, and we still fucking use a boat. We, so, and, and they still improve. So um, if you're wanting to make an investment this year, I would go with the numbers. Numbers are silhouettes and socks. Pack up nice and neat. Get the bags. Divebombindustries.com. The way to go. Also, we're brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Ships right to your door. All made in America. No big box store to contend with. The price is the price. Call them up. They can uh, make you a custom load. Brandon's making me some a three five low Jeff. They've got some mixed cases that they're letting too now. You yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, Sub gauge culture is back. It's bismuth. It's it's copper plated, deadly, lethal. Uh, if you shoot uh, your grandpa's old gun or anything like that, bismuth is safe to shoot through it. If you're a twenty eight gauge type of guy, I am not, but a lot of people are. Bismuth, the way to go. You can go with that sub gauge route and not lose a whole lot of knockdown power. Um, but yeah, give the give them a call. BossShotShells.com. They got a brand new website out there. It looks amazing. Uh, whatever you want, they can hook you up with it. That's BossShotShells.com. Also, we're brought to you by Pacific Calls. Good guys up there. They make a hell of a hell of a call. They've got Canada calls, spec calls, duck calls, snow calls, turkey calls. They got it all. You don't have to look very far. PacificCustomCalls.com. And uh, you can kind of get whatever you want. They got a hell of a hell of a single read duck call out there. I know it's really good. The ace, the ace is what they call. Or if you go after lessers like me, they got a they got a nice little short call, loud and fast, baby, loud and fast. Uh, we really we really like those guys over at Pacific Calls. So go check them out at PacificCustomCalls.com. Also, we are brought to you by Lucky Duck Spinners, Blinds, Dog Dog Kennels. They got it all. LuckyDuck.com. I love that 2x4 blind. I get more questions about it than any other product that I sponsor. Everybody wants to know, is it really, can you really fit four grown men in it? And the answer is, yes, you really can. The Lucky Duck 2x4, 
got pockets on it, all the amenities that you need. Fit four grown-ass men in it. No other blind on the market can say that. Go to LuckyDuck.com and get that. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. Mr. Logan Pyatt also has a podcast. Human Rib. Bourbon Review. If you're a whiskey drinker, take a listen to it. Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. It's a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, I don't think that they pull too many punches, Mr. Logan Pyatt and Rebel. They get on there. Pretty funny. I know a lot of guys, uh, I see it all the time on, on social media. Guys love it. Go check it out. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can listen to theirs. Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Also, the J2 Outdoors, the Ice Ripper. It's a worthy investment. Don't let Mother Nature wreck your season. Keep that ice hole open in the in the midst of winter. If you can control open water in December and January, you can control lots of ducks. If you have food around still and you got open water, you're in the money. Uh, J2OutdoorsLLC.com, and you can, uh, you can go get that ice ripper. All made in America. Ship it right to your door. You don't even have to get out of your pajamas. It's hot right now. We're not, I know it's hard to think about keeping water open, but... In the middle of December, you're going to wish you had it. Go to J2OutdoorsLLC.com. Get one on the way. Also, we're brought to you by 14 Cattle Company. Meet the difference. M-E-A-T. Local shop there in Alito, Texas. Save money. Get local beef. Shipped to, or sent, delivered to your house. Packaged. It's the way to go. It's cheaper, better. You know what you're getting, and you're not, you're not trying to spend all your money in Brazil getting Brazilian cattle. All grass-fed beef. They got it going on over there. And right now it's hard to find a kill date at any other butchering shop. The local one here said it's going to be 2021 yep. before they take any more cows. March. Go to 14 Cattle Company. They, they're they on uh, they're on Facebook right now. So 14 Cattle Company. Or you can just look up uh, Jordan Isaac Smith. He'll hook you up. 14 Cattle Company. Last but not least, we're brought to you by William and Chris Wines. You can find those at all of the big, fancy supermarkets. They ask you if you want paper or plastic. They probably got William and Chris wine there. All made in Texas, high Texas. Texas made wine. Skeleton Key is by far my favorite. Uh, made sangria out of it not too long ago, Jeff. Oh, it was delicious. Put some fruit in there. A couple bottles of Skeleton Key. A little bit of vodka. Triple sec. Summertime. It's a summertime drink. Refreshing. A little bit of Sprite on top. WilliamCrisWines.com. Uh, I think the, they're not doing any taste testings at their shop. They got a beautiful vineyard where they where you could taste test everything. But due to Corona, you're not seeing that as much anymore. Uh, but you can also, I think you can order their wine online. They'll send it right to you. WilliamCrisWines.com. Let's roll. Three, two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Ice Ripper. I'm Jeff Stanfield. They got a new little product going on there at Ice Ripper. Yes, they do. And a giveaway. Yes, they do. You so want- all you got to do is go to their uh, page and share the post, and you can get entered to win a brand new Ice Ripper. Sounds like a great deal. Great, great product. Ready? I'm ready to have to use one. I'm ready for winter to get here. Yeah, that's no shit. Uh, anyway, on the line with us today, we got Kobe Bullington from Williston, North Dakota. You're going to need an ice ripper, my friend. Yeah, I don't know. I'd love to talk to you about that situation, too. Uh, up here, you know, it, it's freezing so fast, but good morning. Yeah, yeah, it is a good morning. Um, do you you don't know if it'll work or what? Uh, the big waters just don't stay open long enough around here to make it. I mean, like, you wouldn't be able to hold enough ducks. I wouldn't think. Right. How, if you just add one. I mean, you're you're hunting, like, big, big water or what? No, I mean, like, for, I mean, we would hunt the little water, but to have the roost for the birds, they just right. don't stay around long enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, the big waters would be tricky, but I mean, you could you could open up little pockets and have some ducks on it and stuff. Yeah, for sure, and then, and like they talk about too on those windy days, it would be or not windy days, right? Be pretty nice, right? The way that I see it is, you can just kind of you you can't you can't stop Mother Nature, obviously, but you can slow her down a little bit. You could get an extra week or ten days out of hunting season by throwing one of these on. I th- I think if you get to a place where you got some deep water in North Dakota and it's ten below zero, if you can keep your water open with a couple of ice rippers, you're going to get a lot of extra season out of it. I think it would work. Now, it's not going to keep an 80-acre place open. No. Especially at that kind no. of temperature. But I think it's it's more designed, like you said, to extend your season or to places like Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, northern Oklahoma, Missouri, Iowa, where it, it doesn't get 10 below zero, but it gets down in the single digits, where it will work to keep birds open, water open then. I think I think you're gonna, right. there's there's going to be a line somewhere where it's going to be almost impossible to to defeat Mother Nature. I would yeah, think I think it'd be great too on those early November mornings when you know the birds are just starting to push out and you can't keep your little hole open. You know yes. when you're you know hunting them on the low falls. Exactly. Good bet for sure. Then you're you're not out in your spread every ten minutes trying to break a half inch of ice out. You know. Right. No shit. Yeah. And you I mean, basically, cool. when you got too much ice and you know, you, and it's you know, you can park a car on it. Ice rippers probably not going to help you too much, but you can extend past what you would normally normally go. But when's the last time you had a season in North Dakota? It was so fucking cold you had to do that shit anyways. We ain't had no winter in two three years. <laughs> I the snow hasn't pushed them out the last three years. It's been the just the cold. Yeah, we need snow bad. That's our that's our issue we have. Yeah, we haven't had a good snow hunt in a few years, I would say. So, so but what, we don't get to hunt down on the river and stuff. So, but like those guys get in Bismarck and Jamestown, they get a lot of those good late season hunts down there. So, Jamestown is the town I was trying to think about. A couple weeks ago on a podcast, Jamestown. Okay, I don't remember yeah, what I don't remember what the fuck we were talking about. We hunted in a we had looked at going to Jamestown, and then we heard that it was pretty crowded, so we went Napoleon. And it was because yeah, yeah. we could get a place to stay there. Yep, that was the biggest problem we had going to North Dakota was finding, and, and we 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 decided we were doing this like in June or May, and it it, it came down to getting a place to stay, and that was the problem. Can you stay at a Holiday Inn Express in uh, Bismarck, I believe, or you could get on the and find. And I found a place to stay in uh, in in Napoleon, and we stayed there two years, and we really liked it. Yeah, that's nice. That's one hard thing about here. A lot of the small towns, you know, they just don't have a place for people to stay. You know, you got to pick somewhere that's a little larger that has a motel. You know, that might have, you know. 15 to 20 rooms and if it's not booked if you get lucky you know you're still gonna probably be heading an hour or so to where you want to hunt right and we were thinking you know we got all of the gear we got we're gonna have to clean birds holiday inn is not really ideal you kind of want a place where you can spread out a little bit oh yeah and yeah you want to you know grill in the parking lot or yep. stuff like that and drink with your buddies yeah so holiday in i mean you could do it but it's kind of a pain in the ass you got to go up a couple flights of stairs or you know you got to go up on the elevator with your shit and cabins are kind of the kind of the way to go if you're gonna go on a hunting trip um so you don't think so you think with canada staying closed which it's basically august now i don't see the canadian border opening but you're saying it's not going to be as easy as people think to find a place in north dakota um, I don't know if it's, it's easy to find the place. It's just setting up to kill early season geese is a lot different than, uh, you know, hunting your migrators and stuff. And then uh, also, like, we have some pretty good low, like, wolves waiting for the geese from Canada as well. So um, people, I mean, you just got to hit it right. And sometimes we, you know, guys come up and they'll be here for a week and, I mean, you can't expect to have a good hunt every day, you right. know, when you come. I think, like, when you go on a trip, same if I go on a guided trip. Like, if I'm there for four days and we get one great hunt, that's all you can ask for, I really think. Yeah, you'll, you know. on a four-day trip, you're going to have one good hunt. You're going to have probably a bad hunt. And then 
one uh, decent hunt and then maybe one more decent hunt. What are you talking that, about? That third hunt could go either way. On a guided hunt? On on any trip. Uh-huh. You can usually expect one good one good banger. I think our percentages are a whole lot better than that. 75%? I would say that if guys do a three-day hunt, which is pretty average here, the average length of time, you're going to have two really good hunts, and then one could go either way. And I've had guys have three great hunts. I've had guys have three slow hunts. But I'd say our average is two out of three days are really good. Well, I was looking at a four-day hunt. Okay. I think you're going to have one exceptional day. You're going to have one good day. You're going to have a bad day, and then you're going to have a day that could go either way. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I'd say that's probably pretty fair. Weather is probably such a factor on that. That's why I tell guys, I get guys will call me. We're just going to hunt one day. I said that's fine. I said, we can hunt you one day, ten days, whatever you want to do, but. One day, you're sure playing Mother Nature because if you get a day with no wind or right. it's pouring down rain or whatever, you're just hurting your chances with just a one-day hunt. But we do a lot of one-day groups, and they have a lot of repeat deals. We got Some guys can just afford to go one day. So <clears throat> let's get back to North Dakota. In North Dakota, are you seeing more land uh, lockdown than there used to be, more posted stuff? Oh, for sure. From when I first started hunting, you know, I went to college here, met a buddy, had a ton of land and stuff. Uh north of that jamestown area and uh back then i mean there wasn't near as much posted as there is now and like from what i've seen kind of on the internet and stuff it sounds like even more people are kind of going out and posted trying to kind of get ready for what's coming mm-hmm. but uh i mean i don't know how much it's gonna affect us but i mean it, if something's posted it doesn't mean you can't hunt it you know you just have to I mean, it doesn't mean some guy's got it least or anything like that a lot of times farmers just want to know you know who's gonna be on their property you know and they want to hold somebody accountable for tearing up their field or whatever you know they want to know where to send the ash chewing to oh yeah yep for sure i got the biggest ash chewing i've ever had in north dakota <laughs> uh for leaving a gate open no, i didn't get my shoe somebody else did oh no and i mean we like it wasn't we it, didn't leave a gate open for hours we were going to pick up some guys in a field with nothing in the field. It was just yeah, pop the hot a wire. chopped cornfield. There was no, there was no cattle. There was nothing. I just got the hot wire and I went down and picked the guys up a hundred yards away, hundred and fifty yards away in a truck and come back. And the guy come driving up and he and the kid, poor kid with us, he he knew the guy. It was a, a local kid. We we befriended some local guys and they hunted with the kids. Hunted with us a couple of years, and he knew this one good kid. And he chewed on that kid's ass. I was like, "Sir, it's my fault, not his." He knows fucking better. I was like, "Well, I'm going 150. Or there's not a cow in the field." I just, Maybe two minutes. It was down. I Maybe mean, I mean, it was it, just long enough to drive down, have guys throw their shit in, and then go back up top. And boy, he he was pissed off. I mean, I was like, "Sir, listen, I it's my fault." I should lift the gate, put the gate back up. There was no, there's nothing in the field. I can see where we're going. I'm coming right back up here. That's why I did it. I'm fat and I'm lazy. Listen, I wasn't gonna get the truck twice. If there would have been a cow in the field, I wouldn't have done it. But boy, he did. He was hot. But he chew, he didn't chew on my ass. He chewed on that poor kid's ass. Yeah, I forgot. And I was like, it wasn't his fault. It's my fault. I mean, I'm not gonna make nobody else take ash chewing. But I got an ash chewing in North Dakota. There's a bunch of geese in the field, and on one side of the road, everything was posted, and on one side of the road, nothing was posted. Well, from what I understand with my uneducated Texas ass, if a field's not posted, you can hunt it. It was dry. Yeah. Dry field. I drove. It was a dry day. I drove over, like on a turn row, kind of on between two cornfields. Drove out and trying to get over the hump to see them. And I start coming out of the field. I'm getting an idea where we're going to hunt at. And this guy is coming in a pickup at 150 fucking miles an hour across the field. I've been around a long time to know that he wasn't happy about something. <laughs> So I rolled down my yeah. window, and with my nice Texas charm, I said, hey, how you doing, sir? You dumb motherfucker, you better get the fuck off my face. I was like, whoa. I said, I didn't see a post-it sign. Well, there's only 100 of them son of a bitches. All you got to do is look at them, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, on that side of the road, there's none on this side. Why damn right? And he chewed on my ass. So we got, we got off the field, and we got on the county road, and I was fixing to turn back, and he was behind me. And I got out, and I told my buddy, I said, I'm going to apologize to him one more time. Because I didn't intend to, and I did not intend to do anything wrong. I got out and I said, listen, sir, I'm sorry. I did not realize that that side of the fence was that, that was posted. I said, all the signs are right here. You can see them. And, um, and he, he kind of cooled down a little bit. And I fucked up because I noticed the sign that was right next to where I parked on the other side of the road. 
there wasn't no expiration date on them. And by law, I think it has to be – they have to put dates on them. Is that correct? Uh, not anymore, nope. But did they, they used to? Yeah, they used to have to. They used to have to have the name of the farmer and the date. Okay, on. and this had nothing on there. And I said I was just told by rules if it's not if there's no date or blah blah, blah I should just left it at that because it was cool. Then he fired up fucking again too. Uh, you son of a bitch has come here from out of state. Fuck you, mother. It's like wow. <laughs> <laughs> Got a truck. Whoop. My buddy Jerry goes, uh, you should just left it at the first ass chew. And I said, yeah, I asked for that second one, I guess. <laughs> but he was, he, yeah, he, he was a deer hunter. He didn't give a shit about waterfowl hunting. He had a place set up for deer. And, boy, he was he was freaking hot. I'm glad we weren't hunting in the morning and we dealt with him. So, yeah, maybe we can save a couple ass chew until you're talking about some of that stuff. So, so, so now you, have to, you, you don't have to have expiration date and who farms it on there anymore. Correct. And, like, as well, like, there is a rule that if the owner owns it, say it was posted on that one side, that adjacent side, if that guy owns that same property, technically that's posted as well. Oh, fuck. Jeez. So in, all, in all technicalities, you would have been on posted property. Posted ground. So, oh, fuck. So let me try to unpack that. How do you know... How do you know if if the adjacent property is the same owner? Do you have to get a plat map? Plat map or Onyx now? Holy fuck! I wouldn't trust yep. anything not posted now. Right. I, I already when we went up there, and I'm 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 a nervous guy anyway. I want to make sure everything's right. We hunted a couple places that weren't posted, and I just knew that we were fucking trespassing. That's just because because the way it is here, you got to ask and all this other shit. I was not used to just rolling into somebody's field. We did fuck up the first year, though. Yeah. We hunted a wheat field, and we I, just common thoughts told me, I should say common sense, but I guess it's not, says that the, the, the book says you cannot hunt a, in a field a crop that hasn't been harvested. Well, we found a winter wheat field, and it wasn't posted, and we hunted it. And we found out later that green wheat, a wheat field with green has, is an unharvested field, and it doesn't count as a field that's already had a crop taken off of it. So yep. we figured, I just figured, well, hell, it's it's winter wheat. You can hunt it. It's not posted. We had a hell of a hunt. Yeah. And we were, well, the next year we went there, and I was like, man, I know where a place is. And we went to it, and SMH had fucking posted signs all over that son of a bitch. And I guess a game warden told us that later, that you can't hunt on wheat field if it's not. It ha- you have to have permission because it's considered not a harvested field yet. Right. Oh, but I'm I'm of the mindset that if it's too good to be true and it's a fucking field that's getting loaded up with ducks and geese and it's not posted, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So I wouldn't trust yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, a good rule of thumb is just, I mean, I was very nervous when I first moved up here from South Dakota as well. And um, we would just go, you know, we'd be walking someone's property for presents, you know, and yeah. it was just. Like, holy cow, you know, or you just drive out there when you're waterfowl hunting. But, I mean, even now, if we see a, if we know it's not 100%, like, unposted and we still, if it's signed and looks old and torn up, I mean, we're asking for for permission, even if, you know, it's not posted and not posted properly. Because for those guys to post their land properly is a struggle as well. I mean, they really got to put some work into it. Well, that's true too. I mean, so so what are the rules with that? Do you, where do the posted signs have to be on the field? Like, do they have to be on turn rows? Can they be anywhere? Yep. I mean, so are there the, guidelines for that? Yep, there are. So basically, if there's no fence around it, and just you know, they're just farming it. They gotta have a sign at every approach, every 800 yards, and at the corners. So you really can't miss it. They can't. Right. They can't stick one sign on one entryway and be like, "Well, that motherfucker's posted." Right. Technically, you could. There's a ton of gray area, and if you wanted to be that guy, you can. You're either you're probably going to get one of them astuans, or you can tell them to call the game warden. You know, if you want to be that person. But we just try to always be respectful, and if it's got, it's like they gave it a little effort. You know. Right. There's. And most guys, you know, like you're saying, like you're talking about that guy, he's posting his land for deer hunting. A lot of times, I mean, these people, they're not, they don't care that much about waterfall. So. So if you were to go up to that deer hunter, you might be able to get on. 
Yep, for sure. That's definitely how it is in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, did you? You said you're from South Dakota. Did you see uh, a recent proposal that would allow? I think it's South Dakota. They could shoot three ducks in South Dakota. Yeah. So, so basically, you don't have to worry about species or sex. You can shoot three ducks, and that's it. Yep. You can either you can either shoot your six ducks or seven in South Dakota. I can't remember. Six. It'd be six. the Central Flyway. Yeah. You could shoot your six or. If you're worried about identifying them on the wing, you could just shoot three. <laughs> well, I guess just... I had not seen that. <laughs> That's kind of stupid. Why? Well, fuck, just shoot your three fucking ducks and figure out what they are, then go shoot the other three. Well, for a little kid, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could do that. But if you have three mi- uh, three mallard hens, then you're done. I-, I think it's geared for, like, newer hunters and smaller kids that are kind of going out on their own. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah it's we, early up here too in september i mean it's hard to identify birds as well i mean yeah but when does duck season start up there uh last weekend in september usually like september 23rd ish you should be about to really start seeing no fuck no is it still one of that that last hunt in canada that we had it was in october that's and they true were still that's, brown. That, that's true i guess yeah i guess that's right i didn't think about that and that was late that was mid-october yeah it was october 22nd or 23rd yeah, and we still steal a lot of brown on them i Except got there you shoot eight ducks though right yeah it's just eight yeah and it's eight and it doesn't matter what they are but i think that's also because they start hunting so early and they don't have colors there's gonna be a lot of more duck there's gonna be a lot more ducks this year in the flyways oh for sure I agree. with no candidate yeah, it'll be, make a big difference it'll be fun to see what happens for sure i want to see what the mortality rate is on them if it's still right at 15% or if it changes on mallards. Because there's, there's going to be a lot less of them shot. But I think the death rate will be close to the same. So what kind of advice do you give someone from out of state that rolls up in North Dakota to a small town and they want to hunt? To find places to, to hunt, the, what's the best place to go? Go to a cafe? Go to Where, where do you go? go to, I'd go to the cafe or go to the bar in the evening and, that farmers harvesting and stuff. There's a lot of guys that stop in there and just try and, you know, maybe buy them a drink and talk to them and just be friendly. And I mean, they see a lot of hunters and stuff and, you know, some guys have just been rubbed the wrong way in the past. And as soon as they see your license plate, you're just not going to change what they think about an out of state hunter, you know? So there's just guys that are like that, but I'd say the majority of the people are very nice, you know, everywhere you go. Is every little town. And about- I- go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go, no, you go ahead. I would, I mean, I'd recommend, too, I mean, if you're at the bar and stuff, you know, talk to those other guys, like, that are in there hunting and stuff. Because a lot of times when guys come up in groups, it's like, you know, not more than four. A lot of times they bring one vehicle and, I mean, team up and try and work together. And I mean, if you have two vehicles scouting over one vehicle scouting, I mean, your success rate will definitely go up, especially if you're freelancing. I noticed that the people were, <clears throat> down here, <clears throat> people don't share hunting places. No. You ain't going to find nobody in the south hardly that's going to say, hey, I've got this place, we're killing them, y'all ought to come out. They don't do that shit. <clears throat> but when we was in the Dakotas, the other groups of hunters from other places, everybody was really nice about that. Especially the guys that were leaving. Yes. They don't give a fuck. They're like, hey, we're leaving right here, go to Jim's place, go left, there's an old lady, you can ask her, she'll let y'all hunt. And it was really nice. I tell you what I liked, though, was in, in Little Town in Napoleon, they had a place called the Downtowner. And they had yep. good food, but it's where everybody went to. And I noticed that every little town in North Dakota had one of the bar restaurants in town, it seemed like. <laughs> Some towns have two bars and no restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was doing the scouting for a place to stay, I made sure they had places to eat also. Yep. Eating gas. That's what was the biggest things I was concerned about. That's Sleep, eating gas. Yep. So what took you to North Dakota from South Dakota? College? Yeah, I went to college in uh, Wapton, North Dakota, which is south of Fargo, right in the southeast part of the state. And then uh, after college, I went up to Alaska for a summer and worked for a sport fishing guide service. And I had a buddy call me that I met in uh, Wapton there and got me to Williston. So, what uh, you, you said you spent one summer in Alaska? How was that? Oh, it was awesome. If I wouldn't have got sucked into the black gold, I'd be back up there still probably. So it was very fun. 
how is the black gold market right now in williston not not great not. <laughs> very slow uh our company laid off about 70 percent of our workforce oh so. fuck Did, were you on that yeah. chopping block nope i am still kicking how did you manage so, that? Just uh, seniority or what? Yep. Uh, I've worked for the same company for, I mean, nine years, I think, in October. And, uh, yeah, I'm a manager type guy. So So you started in 2011 where you couldn't park anything in Williston, North Dakota. Like fucking yep. Walmart parking <laughs> well, lots were full of shit. Yeah, they had campers on the side of the road and all that stuff. And we, uh, I'm on the volunteer fire department now, too, and, the uh, highway at the time, the one highway was like the deadliest highway in uh, the United States for three years. Just because eighteen wheelers and shit going down it. <laughs> yep, eighteen wheelers and their two lane highways, and it was unbelievable. Then it was it's a lot different town now. You can I raise a family here now, so. So can you uh, go to a restaurant and actually get seated to have a seat place to eat now? <laughs> oh yeah, yep, no. Now it's pretty easy, and especially with COVID. So, is it uh, is it a ghost town? No uh, not a ghost town. I mean, people still have steady work, but I mean, a, there's still people with steady work, but a lot of like rig work over rig type people, fracking guys, stuff like that, are you know gone. Like new construction and stuff has came to like pretty much a complete halt. Has so. crime? Have you noticed if crime has gone up? since the start of covid or has everybody just left it's it's been about the same most people go home right most people leave because a lot of people aren't you know they haven't put down roots here or nothing so most people probably just living out of a camper still yep i think one thing though that'll affect our hunting this year too is all the people that are laid off i mean we saw it in spring snow group season people are just like oh yeah we're just up here you'll never do this but we don't have anything else to do you know so I think you might see your local hunters in the whole state kind of come back up a little bit because they're looking for something to do. I'm going to tell you what, that would be a miserable place to be stuck and have nothing to do. Especially, Especially in the, in the wintertime. Winter time. Oh, it would be fucking miserable. In the summertime, it wouldn't be that bad in the fall. But, man, fucking January, December through fucking about March. Ugh. How do the guys work on the rigs from December to March? Bundle up? <laughs> Dress warmer. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it gets cold out there because we do outside work too. I work for an electrical company that does like uh, construction and automation and everything to basically get the well site going, you know. So, and we do a lot of outside work in the wintertime too. What's the coldest that you've seen it there with wind chill? Because that counts. What about in what I've seen in Wilson? Yeah, with the wind chill factored into it. Oh, it touches 40 below every year with the wind chill. What a shit. Those are some of the best days to go hunting a little bit. Oh, well, yeah, but not to be working on a fucking drilling rig. No. That'd be. If it gets that cold sometimes now, like safety is such a big issue. There's some companies that if it hits 20, they won't let you go to their location. 20 degrees. But On the yep. good side of zero? 20 below. Oh, 20 below. Yeah. I got, I got a buddy of mine that lived there. for. He worked for Halliburton, and he was up there for about eight, nine years. And he said winter times were just fucking brutal. Bleak. Because it gets dark at what, 5 o'clock? Oh, before that, some days, yep. But he was a... Uh, yeah, bo- and it ain't, it's not light out till you know, almost 9. Mm. He was a boss. Mm-hmm. So he didn't, once he was inside, he didn't give shit. Them poor guys outside, that was tough shit. But when he first started up there, it was some miserable deal. So when it gets that cold, you said those are some of your best hunting days. Have the geese not all have the geese not all left yet, or is that when they're leaving? Oh, we like to go try and chase pheasants on days like that. They're all gone by all the geese and stuff are usually gone by that time. But we did have one hunt in like 2016 that it was like feel like temperature was like 20 some below, and uh, we just beat the piss out of them one day. That was one of the funnest hunts I've ever had. But. Was it a big migration day, or were they just hanging around and no? Nope, they were just kind of around, and they got caught up, sort of, I guess. And we kind of had a blizzard, and uh, then they were gone. So we only got to hunt them one time. But I gotta say, I've not hunted in many blizzards, but the ones that work out, you'll never have a more magical hunt. The way that they just appear out of the snow, but yeah. 
<laughs> on the days that you're in a blizzard and you get your ass kicked, it's miserable. <laughs> yeah. It's, usually those days work out unless they leave. We've had days where, you know, in November and it's cold and snowy and you're like, okay, there's a whole bunch here the day before and all of a sudden they either don't show up or they left and you pick up, you know, at one in the afternoon and you're heading out and you go by the roost lake and they're all just sitting there trying to keep the water open. Right. Yeah. So whenever you're scouting, what's a, what's a good number in the field that makes you feel comfortable if you're going after honkers? Uh, early season. Yep. I mean, you got to go with, depends how many guys you're trying to take and stuff, but if you see, you can go as low as 60 for honkers early season. How many if guys? You see something that with like three. Three guys. I mean, but the limit's 15, so it's like impossible to shoot limit. Right. If they want you to shoot more, you know, they let you take your plug out. <laughs> That, that that is that is a little weird. You can shoot fifteen, but you can only shoot three at a three of them at a time. Right, because a lot of times early season hunting, you're only going to get five six cracks at them if you're lucky. Now you that know. starts what August fifteenth. Yep. Oof. Are you going to do it? Uh, this will be the first time I missed it in like seven years, probably. At a wedding, I have to be in. Is it only one week or what? One weekend? Nope. It goes until uh, some parts of the state. It goes right until the opener of. Regular season. So you'll just miss the opening day then? Yep. You can I'll just miss the opening day, yep. Now, what selfish bastard is getting married opening weekend? Some guy that likes to elk hunt. <sighs> what a fucker. <laughs> yeah. You but, can't, you uh, can't this convert be the first him? Time no. He comes with us once in a while, but you'd be surprised how often I struggle finding people to come hunt with us. It's pretty crazy. Well, when it's 40 below, I would be out also, but in August, <laughs> I don't know, August might still be too hot, too. I think I'd rather hunt when it's cold, but I wouldn't hunt 40 below, but I don't want to hunt when it's 90 degrees. August is hot. You got to be, like, three of them guys come in early season, you know. I mean, if you're bringing a dog and stuff, you really got to be careful because it's hot, it's muggy, the bugs are out, and I mean, we've hunted days, you know, it's close to 90 degrees or better right away in the morning, so... That's no fun. I guess that uh, that early season's open to everybody, huh? So you'll start seeing out-of-towners starting August 15th. Yep, so they get a free pass pretty much up here early season. It's only like 50 bucks for a non-resident, and then uh, they uh, it doesn't count against their 14-day. Say they buy a license to come up during the regular season, it doesn't count against their 14-day regular days. Hmm. So... So but, yeah, I mean, you can start at 60 birds, and if you find an early season hunt that's got, say, 300 in it, you better find as many guys as you can and shoot a whole bunch. Because they're just going to be stupid. They're stupid, but you kind of got to, I mean, when you find, say, a field of 100, they might be stretched through the whole field. Because, I mean, they're sitting in little family groups, and they don't really bunch up. Like That's why I say the hunting's a lot different, you know I mean? It probably took us like three years to figure out how to, I mean, that's when I was just really starting getting into field hunting too, but it took us like three years to really figure out how to kill and watch and scout early season geese. What are you looking for? But, um, looking for something like a lot of times I like to be way too close to the roost. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of them, they just walk right up into the field and they're just eating the beans right off the stem. You know, like they won't even leave where they're roosting. Otherwise, they're just learning how to fly. So they're only flying, you know, <laughs> not even a quarter mile, just up onto the hill. So those ones, like we've tried hunting those a whole bunch, you know, that just doesn't quite work out. So, I mean, you got to find something that's a little ways from the roost and not too close. And then if you can find some that are kind of grouped up, if you find them that are more grouped up, a lot of times that's those non-breeders. And those are usually pretty good hunts. Yeah, but when it's a lot of family groups stretched out, it's harder to decoy them and uh, get them to commit. But but you don't have to run a lot of decoys. I mean, we run like in the early season, we'll run thirty six decoys, like two dozen silos and a dozen full bodies. That's the number thirty six. No more, no yeah. less. If you got a bag of dive bombs, five dozen, you can kill geese. Yeah, and. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you just kind of match whatever you're seeing in the field the night before. Like if they're strung out, you know, a bunch of family groups rather than the non-breeders that are all bunched up. 
Right. Yep. Yeah, it definitely helps kind of spread them out. And, uh, yeah, that works a lot better than putting them in a tight bunch and putting them in like a U shape or something like that. You're going to want to leave like gaps and stuff in your spread. Have you, uh, just have, kind of, you know. have any out of towners <clears throat> ever uh, fucked up the roost? Oh, yeah, they do all the time. It's <laughs> like people go hunt on the water. Hunting a loaf in the early season is a lot of fun, you know. But a lot of times, those people just go on the water when it's the regular season because they only come with like floater decoys. They're they're not set up to hunt fields, right? You know, so that's when you'll run into people messing up hunts or like from locals. Like it depends where you're at, but I mean, my buddy they own a ton of land in the more central part of the state. We go there all the time, like some locals that never hunt they just go around and shoot ducks off of every pond they drive by <laughs> just it's to, a show just to fuck with uh just to fuck with everybody yep <laughs> what do you what are you seeing for uh the duck hatch this year um it's been okay up here but i mean we haven't had a lot of rain it's not like it was last year because last year where we're at it flooded good and the duck hatch was great and the goose hatch was really good like it was so wet last year we couldn't even hunt up here in the early season for like the first week because we couldn't get in the field and it's Um, not like that now no they're harvesting now they just started harvesting this last week so what are you mainly hunting Uh, in the early season um small grain a lot of times around like more central part of the state when we go over there we're in wheat and barley um or oats and then like if we stay around like our area we do peas a lot and you know still in the wheat but kind of whatever we they're in we just chase them those peas are tough to hide in unless you got an edge uh if i was to recommend like uh i would not hunt the edge on early season geese you're not gonna kill them get out in the middle yep so we ran a frames for like five years now i think mm-hmm. um but we like unless the birds are on the edge we do not go to an edge you'll throw the a frames out in the middle right in the middle yep right you go right through the x like like if you're early season scouting and you see a string of birds like generally kind of figure out where they're coming from and a lot of times they like to short stop you so cheat towards where they're going to short stop you and then you know kind of go where the biggest group was i would say Silly Did you do that? In a lot of, I don't like. I don't like running a frames out in the middle. But I've not ever had success with it. So I mean, if you're killing them that way, I don't fucking know. I, I don't know. I don't right, know like, the area. So I'm talking to an expert. A- Andy's a nervous fucking Nelly anyway, so he wouldn't do it. <laughs> right. See, like you guys do a lot of lesters and stuff too, and we don't do a ton of lesters. But I mean, we can still get the lesters to work up here in the middle. But we're usually not chasing the lesters. But like duck hunts and big goose hunts, I mean, we're right on the X. Let me tell you what; those big those big geese can be a pain in the ass, though, compared to the little geese for us. And it's I think it's because we just don't hunt them that much. Well, and <clears throat> they're kind of standoffish. They don't like big crowds, right? So when we get yeah, I mean, when we get big geese down here, you know, we've got this lesser spread set out, and then say a flock of big geese come in. Well, they 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 don't really center up very well. They kind of want to sit on an edge or off off by themselves. So yeah, it's a totally different game. Yeah, we're shooting it. We're shooting big geese kind of on the pass because they'll make a swing or two, and then they'll figure out, oh, these little fuckers, there's nowhere to land. So you kind of got to shoot them on on a swing because very very rarely anymore do uh, do they center up. Yep. I think it's just because the little geese are assholes. They're fast. They're nimble. They steal food. They know. They don't want to sit with them. Make a lot of noise. Yeah. But, but yeah, for guys coming up, I definitely try and get with guys that have been here before. If you're under somebody in the bar, ask them how they're doing, you know. Because I can remember, uh, I love that show. What is it? Uh, oh, Heartland Waterfall. Mm-hmm. They're, they always start their season up here in Minnesota or uh, North Dakota. I can remember watching for the first three years, you know, boys, like, they they learned a lot, and now they're a lot more successful than they were the first three years they were coming up. 
you know. So do uh, kind of fun, fun to watch it. Do they hook up with anybody up there? Or do they do the freelance? I think they pretty much just freelance. I don't. Every time I watch, I they pretty much just freelance. I believe. We didn't, we didn't have problems killing birds. Our problem was scouting the first thing. I'll never forget the first morning we got up to scout, and there's freaking water everywhere. And to yeah. us, that's that was foreign. And then yeah. then it's little groups of birds here and little groups of birds there. We're used to shooting a feed with, what, 5,000 birds plus usually at least. Mm-hmm. It was just a whole different game for us. But the then you do some networking. It takes a good second season before you get comfortable with the area and start to know people. And, right. Yeah. And the and people I, were very nice, though. Really nice people up there. And um, I just hope people don't take advantage of it. I know that people have been taking advantage of it, just like they did in Canada. You hear stories every year about some guy getting in his truck and rutting their fucking fields and shit up. You know, if you go up there, be respectful to those people because it may you may think it's the only time you're ever going to go up there, and you may not give a shit. But you, but it may not be. But if the guy before you fucked it up, then you're not going to get on. Yep. Exactly. If one, it just takes one dumbass to ruin it for everybody and make some farmer just feel have that bad niche towards hunters. I'm I'm betting the, the the guides in North the outfitters in North Dakota. I bet they are covered up for October now. Yeah, they could be. Oh yeah, uh, they have to be. I can, all them people in Canada. That, that, I don't know when the mass. When people, I've I've talked to two people in the last couple of weeks that are both still in big denial that they're going to get a hunt in Canada this year. And I, I don't yeah, know if it's denial. They just don't want to accept that it's not going to happen this that's year. Denial. Well, right. big time denial. I mean, they just know something's going to happen between now and then, and their time's running out, and that's going to expire pretty quick. Two weeks. You know, they'll just push it to September 15th, and the guys in October thinking, well, we'll still be good. But they're, they're, you're not hunting in Canada this year unless you're a Canadian citizen. Yeah, we were supposed to go up there this year, too, to northern Alberta and a uh, little family trip. But I don't think that's going to happen. So now the they're coming the same week, but they're just coming to North Dakota. To, y'all were going to go to Bird Hunt, or y'all were just going to go have a vacation? Yeah, we were going to go up there to Peace River and uh, do the trying to get into speckle bellies and stuff up there. That's my. That's one of the few places. That's one of my dream destination places. I'd like to go. Peace River. Mm-hmm. I've it's always gorgeous. Yeah, that's what I've heard, I've, and it's one place that, that's that's one place I would like to go. Have, you've been before, Colby? Yep, I've been up there before. A uh, kid that runs a lodge up there actually went to. Uh, he grew up in North Dakota and then went to college in South Dakota and uh, came with some buddies with uh, like my uncle and a couple of his buddies, and we went up there four years ago now. I think he runs a lodge called Top of the Flyway Outfitters. I think I've seen Thank that you. online. How far yeah, drive they, is that? For from you. Wilson, it's fourteen hours. Oh, God, freaking, might be like, <laughs> yeah, it's way up there. That would be a uh, fourteen hours from Williston, huh? How far are we from Williston? I would guess probably twenty eighteen to twenty hours. I'd guess. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, I think you guys are a little over twenty. Yeah, fuck. It's in the Williston's. How far from the can? Wait, seventy miles from the border? Fifty. Fifty miles to Canada. <clears throat> yeah, fifty I say, miles to Canada. Twenty to Montana. I say there's 1627. 16 hours, 27 minutes. Well, you know that's going to be wrong. He never he never has faith in me. Never. Um, have you have you seen uh what's been the best year migration year that you've seen? Is there a year that sticks out to you? 19 hours and 22 minutes, so it'd take take me 17 hours. Well, I know you'd be pulling a trailer, so it'd be probably pretty fucking close. Thirty, so it'd be a thirty-four hour drive to, to Peace River. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I just get a guide up there. I'll be, I'd be flying. <laughs> I've had, I've had guides of kids have worked for us, worked up there before. Now, now it's actually not as far for us because we don't have to go to Williston to get there. It's eighteen hundred miles, so one day in eight hours. I don't know how far that would. I don't know how what they consider one day in eight hours. It'd be thirty-two hours, or they consider drive time. Did Erdman work in Peace River? Yeah, Erdman did. And who did they work for? What on top of the flyway? Was no, it? it was the God Goosebusters or something. Go- Goose Goosemaster, maybe. Goosemaster, maybe. Does that ring a bell? I don't know. And then there was a girl. Uh, me, me and Tony. 
Me and Tony met a girl at a hunting show in Albuquerque. Pretty good looking little girl. And she worked, her boyfriend worked up there because Erdman had told me, asked me if I knew this girl and I can't remember her name. And I was like, I knew that name was familiar. And he said, you, I said, yeah. Anyways, he goes, yeah, she, she stayed here and she scouted with us all the time. He shot a shitload of duck bands up there. Yes. Yeah. He shoots a ton up there. Like where we're at, we're like, even in North Dakota, we don't shoot shit for bands and we shoot a lot of birds. Even on the uh, residents, you don't shoot many? Nope. No banding. Uh, they don't. Yeah, we did one year. They had a little banding program when we were back at, in the central part of the state there. They had a little banding program, and we shot them, and they are all banded in July. Right, yeah. So, you know. But, no, I've only, I think, I've only killed one band in the last three years now, and they came from a goose that was banded down there in Scott's Bluff in Nebraska on the Platte. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, our river's nothing like that. We don't hold birds like they do at all. But we're in the central flyway, and let's face it, they don't ban much shit for here anyways. I mean, it's a steady, it's a, it's it's solid. I think they're banned in more places like the East Coast. Now, I'm not talking the local geese, because that's where most people get all their bands anyways. But a true migrating a duck or a small goose or a snow, most of those birds that are going to be banded are going to be going to somewhere besides the central flyway. In mass numbers, yeah, and you got to the local geese when they're banned and stuff. You got to have some of those big old lakes and stuff that where they can catch them. You know, I mean, we don't we go to the central part of the state a lot of times just because they have a lot of those bigger lakes and stuff, and they just seems like they produce more birds. And I know it's the same way in South Dakota for their early resident season. I'm wondering if they're going to be if there's going to be very many birds banded this year. I wonder if they cut that program out too because they sure, didn't do the surveys. COVID. Sure, because of COVID, they're not. Yeah, but I'm wondering how many local people, like in Canada, local biologists went ahead and went to work every day and did their shit. I think it takes a team, doesn't it? it takes like six or seven guys. I'm sure it probably does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit, and then some volunteers. And I think yeah, that would be so. fun to be involved in that once. Do it, Jeff. I would. I've never do it been. here in February. That's when they banded the specs. Those guys never invited me. Uh-huh. They just wanted to use our places. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then are, they wouldn't let us take pictures or nothing. Yeah, no, top secret. A rivet band is what I really want. I started to buy you one the other day. I thought, you know, I'll just buy you one, Andy. Would that make you feel better? Or would you mm. feel cheated? No. Would you rather fuck a customer out of one or would you just have me buy you one? Oh, I'd rather fuck a customer out of one. Okay, I just want to make sure. <laughs> I got in a little bit of trouble for that. Uh, we won't go into that whole deal. For admitting that. Um, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year, man. Yeah, it's going to be. It'll be fun to see what the migration looks like this year. Because you asked the question earlier, uh, like, what's the best year of migration I've ever seen? Yeah, and then Jeff interrupted um, us. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it seems like uh, it just seems very similar every year. I mean, we do have it, it kind of trickles, trickles, and then there'll be like three or four days where they're just busting through. You know, I mean, it's not like it's a long migration by any means. Um, especially up here. I mean, I know when we've been over at my buddy's place, it's crazy. Over, like, we don't get snow geese like at all here, mm-hmm. but like the snow geese and stuff over in that area when they start migrating through, just that's it's a sight to see for sure when they're really pushing. Have you done any of that conservation season? Uh, no, I don't trick with them white geese at all. If anything, we'll just go just go down the road and try and jump them. Yeah. They're, they just, here, I mean, you don't get enough time to, I mean, they're through here in like three days a lot of the time. Yeah. It's very it's a very <laughs> short window, and you got to get on them. Right, yep. Uh, you'd have to go like closer down to South Dakota and something like that or further east. Because, I mean, we're just not a good flyway right here. Because from where we live, southwest, there's just, it's just not the right habitat for birds, really. So, all right. So, let's recap. Make sure that the uh, posted signs, just get a plat map or Onyx. Like, uh, that'll that'll save you a bunch of bunch of headaches, huh? Yeah, just go ask. Where can you get a plat? You got to go to the courthouse, don't you? To get a plat map? Yeah, you can get them right, on, you can get them right online, too. Oh, okay. Well, that's handy. And if it and if it's posted, 
if the adjacent property is also farmed by the same farmer, that means that's posted also. Basically, yes. Just do just do your homework, right? Yep, do due diligence and uh, just treat it how you want the guy in front of you to treat it. You know. That's right. Well, Kobe, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on here with us this morning. We hope that this season is uh, something really special. Uh, I think yeah. if, if we can get some weather, they'll be shipping out of Canada, and you should see a lot of birds there this year. We, we're excited. Uh, we'll have to have you back on kind of when the migration starts and see see what you're seeing. Yeah, that works for me. Usually uh, sometime in late no- October or early November. Perfect. We'll, we'll, give, right in there, so. we'll give you a call sometime around Halloween then. Sounds good. Hopefully we can get some weather and get them down to you guys. Nice. Uh, good luck in the uh, early season. Don't sweat your balls off and don't get ate up by mosquitoes. All right. Well, appreciate it, guys. You bet. See you, bud. We'll see you. Thanks. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a great day and God bless you. Kobe Bullington. <clears throat> yeah, it's not going to be as easy as people think because I think the farmers kind of planning for a heavy influx of hunters. Yeah, that's I don't. I don't know where the people are going to stay at. There's not many places in North Dakota. The big cities, the outfitters are going to be overran with people. People just want to get out and go hunting early. They're just going to have to adjust with their trips. The people that I've sold trips to that were going to Canada, they've just adjusted and done something different. I feel sorry for the guides in Canada. I do. I feel sorry for the outfitters. I feel sorry for the guides. You know, I feel sorry for the outfitters who got all that invested up there, and they're going to lose out. And then I, I feel sorry for the guides who go up there to make a living, and they're not going to get to work, and – you know, the outfitter's got to worry about himself. The guides have to worry about themselves. But, you know, it's just a bad deal. It is. but And who's to say that some of this shit won't happen in America? It, there's no telling what's going to fucking happen here the way things are going. No, there's not. I saw where Herman Cain just passed away. From what? COVID, they said. Are you serious? 74 years old. That's too bad. Do you think they'll have a um, the Black Lives Matter people will go crazy over that? <laughs> Probably not. No, don't give a shit. If you're a black conservative, you don't count. He's got white privilege because he was a black conservative. And um, I saw where, uh, what's that fucking goofy bitch, Rashida Tlaib? Mm-hmm. She come out today and, you know, Trump, I guess, made a comment about delaying the election. If we can't do a vote, then we'll just have to move the election back. We're going to find a, a cure for COVID real fucking quick if he thinks he's done that. Because <laughs> them ignorant fuckers think they're going to win. He's just trolling them, too. Oh, big time. But, and, but they're, they're going to run it like he's serious. Oh, big time. And she's like, well, we are running the election on time. She's for delaying rent, delaying any kind of mortgage payment that you have, closing schools down. Yeah. But she's okay with... Rallies and voting, but any other social function she's against shouldn't be going to church. What did the NFL do with church? They said the players can't go to church because that's a mass gathering. But you can be 160 of you playing football on a field together because they're going to have expanded rosters. I don't. I don't think we're going to have an NFL season. I don't until they come out with get rid of this shit and people realize that it's it is very contagious if you get it. But the bad – when they they realize the bad part of the COVID is not – the majority of people aren't going to get. Can you think about – I mean, so rewind to March and April when this was first hitting over here. We were under the impression that if you got it, you were dead. Oh, I was scared to death. Now, we know a lot of people that have it, and it's just kind of like, oh, that's yeah, – they, they got the COVID. They got the Rona. But not, not one person that's come down with it. I've been like, oh, shit. I, I go to the casino once a week. And I, every time I walk by one of the Purell dispensers they have all over the place, I put it in my hand. I told Harry walking out the other day, I said, I've washed my fucking hands more in the last two, three months than I have in fucking 20 years before that probably. Because mm-hmm. you wash it 15 times a day now. It's killing but, your immune system, Jeff. Washing my hands does? Yeah. But I don't think of uh, I don't think of that. I don't worry about dying from the stuff now. Yeah. But when this first came out, I was like, oh, fuck, we're getting the bubonic plague, if you know? If you get it, you're most likely dead. And and now I don't. I just, if it happens, it happens now. I could die from this stuff. If I do, I got a lot of life insurance. Everybody be okay. You know, somebody's like, well, you don't want to die alone. Well, I think you always die alone. Most of the time. <laughs> so, unless you're on a plane. Yeah, it's so, 
Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's not usually something that a lot of people do with you. Nope, that's a, it's it's a it's it's not a group effort. Nope. Anyways, we appreciate everybody for listening to you. Uh, God bless y'all. Y'all have a uh, great weekend and uh, stay out of jail. <laughs>